Thank you for joining us. My name is Rod Cookrun, I'm Vice Chairman this year of Agenda Alexandria, and we're coming to you live from the ALX Community Waterfront on the special taping of our podcast, which is a rather new uh, endeavor for us. We like to do a podcast now every week before our monthly program. And our monthly program on January 24th, which is next Monday, is called Change at the Torpedo Factory? Um, we want to thank the Zebra in particular for simulcasting this program through their social media, and we will be issuing it as a podcast ourselves uh, after the taping is over. Uh, with us today, I'm privileged to have my, as my guest, Scott Shaw. Scott Shaw is well known in the city of Alexandria. I think last year you were the Alexandria Businessman of the Year, right? I was. All right. So I you only win that once, so I'm done I was with gonna that. say, you can't get that again, can you? Um, Scott's well known for his, uh, being one of the founders of the Alexandria Restaurant Partnership, which owns some um, some of the city's favorite restaurants by, by local residents and tourists, including Lola's and uh, the Majestic, and Ada's is now a, a new hit, I understand. Um, but Scott's here tonight in his capacity as the uh, chairman of the uh, Alexandria uh, Economic Development Partnership, which is a, a group of business leaders uh, led by an executive director, and they partner with the city on, on economic development issues. And the reason Scott's here tonight is because uh, your, you and your, your board have been sort of singled out by the city council as being sort of integral to what the future of the Torpedo Factory is going to be. Correct? Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's, that's um, so just a little history on the Torpedo Factory. It was actually built in 1918 as a torpedo factory. And it did that, uh, produced torpedoes for the military through World War One and World War II. Uh, in the early 1970s, one of the artists uh, in the city, Marion Van Landingham, um, went to the city and during the bicentennial uh, preparations to see if the city would want to buy the building to create an artist center, uh, something that was rather unprecedented at the time in the United States. Uh, and she later went on, as many of you know, to become uh, uh, a delegate uh, in the State House of Virginia, where she represented by the city, I think, for more than 20 years. Um, so today, the Torpedo Factory has 82 studios. It's used by 141 artists. Uh, they're working artists who have, get the privilege to work there uh, via a jury of their peers. Uh, the website for Torpedo Factory says it is the nation's oldest continually operating community of publicly accessible working artists studios under one roof. Um, and it attracts, there was a city council hearing recently, which I think we'll talk about last month, where count, outgoing councilman Pepper said that the Peter factory gets between a half a million and 800,000 visitors a year. And she called it uh, the, the golden goose for the city, uh, which a lot of people think it is, but I know there are other ways to look at that, that sort of titling. So, Scott, um, just to start out by having you describe the current state of play uh, on the torpedo factory. Uh, I mean, what's what yeah. what I mean? The history I think is less important than what the city right now is con contemplating doing with the with the facility. Yeah. So uh, just to kind of set the set the stage. So you know, I, I'm not kind of directly involved in anything that the ADP is you know, working on with the city or the torpedo factory. I'm the board chair, though, so I can kind of give you a sense of, of our involvement. And in preparation for the podcast, you know, I did what I think a lot of people watching this did, sort of jumped in, listened to all three hours of the council hearing, read all the documents. So that was good. It kind of brought me back up to speed. And uh, so I'm happy to be your kind of warm-up act for next week's panel. Um, you know, when I, you know, click off of watching the 
December city council hearing, I was really kind of excited and optimistic because it felt like for the first time in a long time, you know, we had a clear you know direction going forward. And I think that was the council's um, view too, is that, you know, they, they, like the other citizens in the community, have been watching and waiting for something to happen at the torpedo factory, some sort of progress forward. And there's been a lot of consultant studies, I think 15 studies over the last decade or so, which as Justin said, our, our mayor, they all kind of said the same thing, that, that, you know, the torpedo factory could and should be revitalized with a uh, more ambitious vision with physical improvements, um, always keeping the arts center to it, you know, arts is central to it, and that that would be good for the, you know, for the community. So, you know, the council, uh, you know, the, the, the council adopted at the uh, December 14th meeting, for those who don't know, a shortened version of uh, the 12 principles that Justin had laid out in a memo. Um, and, you know, broken down and kind of para paraphrasing them, they voted to move forward on what's called the custom program option. I'll describe that in a... It was one of three in, options. That was one of three. One is sort of incremental, which is really more keeping it as is. The third, you know, door number three was a land lease to a private group and let them put up the capital and renovate or redevelop the torpedo factory, but with a... A, a large chunk of the torpedo factory to be reserved for public uses, including art. And then, you know, door number two was this custom option, which would be the city would keep ownership and active management of it, um, but would still kind of look for new and reinvigorated uses. So the council voted for door number two. Um, they also, as you referenced at a previous meeting, it wasn't there, um, authorized and funded a new community development authority. And that's a really important part of this puzzle, and it's one that Stephanie Landrum, the CEO of the ADP, I think has been able to lean in, help the city understand what that means. Well, let's, let's just explore that yeah. a little bit. Um, so this would be a community development authority, uh, and we have, we have several of these in the city already. We have Renew Alexandria, which is, handles the sewers. Mm -hmm. uh, we have RHOP, which is the old housing, right, that's public right. housing authority. Uh, and this would be just another version. And we have the IDA, oh, which right. is sort of like a sleepy organization that issues bonds for nonprofit entities, and as we, you know, and then through that process can get the nonprofits a lower cost of borrowing, right? Um, so yeah, th this would be a, sem a similar thing. And this was really this new community development authority that the council approved prior to the December fourteenth meeting wasn't focused on the torpedo factory. It always focused on the north end. Um, where there's a burgeoning arts district. That's the north end of Old Town. The north end of, of Old Town. And the city did something great. And I, I applaud the council and the mayor. As Justin pointed out, we're, we're probably the only city in the country that's done, that's made this kind of commitment to the arts. So we gave, the city is giving developers the right to add FAR, room on top of their buildings, if they will devote space on the ground floor in perpetuity or very long-term leases for nonprofit arts uses. So that's a pretty neat thing because as the north end of Old Town gets redeveloped, it's creating you know permanent or very long-term space for arts uses. The problem is, you know, who do the developers work with? Do they just go out and find a nonprofit arts-related use on their own? That's that's kind of awkward and or you know a little needle in a haystack. And you also have the problem that a lot of these arts 
arts organizations don't have much money, so even fixing up a space that they got it free would be a challenge. So in steps this new community development authority that can work with the developers, that has access to capital, can issue bonds, especially if it's holding real estate assets, and could fix up locations for arts users and charge a very nominal rent. So tell me, Scott, when they issue their bonds to do the work that they want to, they want to do, mm -hmm. how, does the, how do those bonds get repaid? I mean, with, with Renew Alexander, for example, everybody gets a bill for the sewers and that's, yeah. that's, that's what funds the yeah. payment of the So of the let's imagine, right, so let's imagine for a second that a developer gave a space for free to the, you know, and, and, and it's held by the Community Development Authority and the Community Development Authority issued, they don't do small bond issuance, they would aggregate them, but let's say they did $500,000 of bonds to go to XYZ art, art organization to improve, to build out the gallery space or studio, whatever. Or theater. Yeah, so they might need to charge, you know, $10 a foot in rent would be adequate to cover that, that, that cost of capital, the cost of the bonds to improve it. Because the rent itself is, is free. So it, it's, that structure serves a couple benefits or has, you know, has a couple benefits. One is that it's a, it's a very efficient source of capital you know, and infusions into the nonprofit community, but it also kind of solves the problem of herding the cats. You know, who do the developers work with? And they have to be concerned because if they're creating a space for an arts use in a condo building, they need to know that if there's a problem 15 years down the road, there's kind of a parent organization that would step in, find a new arts use if a group disbanded or something like that. So that's what the city's been focused on the North End. And what came out of the December 14th meeting was the council saying, hey, why not have this same group um, play a role in the torpedo factory and let's redefine kind of the arts district or extend the arts district to include, um, you know, the crown jewel or the golden goose of the torpedo factory. And this, that makes sense because one of the issues that's come up in all the different consultants reports over the years is kind of who's the QB, you know, who is, you know, in whatever form the torpedo factory evolves over the next five decades, <coughs> who's going to be managing it? Well, they change quarterbacks more often. The Red <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, I mean, they have. Yeah, I mean, going back in time, the yeah. city last took it over in 2016, yeah. and then before that, for five years, it was a separate board, and then for 20 years before that, there was an artist-led board. Yeah. And and you're right. I mean, the uh, the quarterback situation is is, is really unproven. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, so it, it, it's kind of a structural problem, right? And every study has identified that. I think that this, you know, this provides kind of a long-term structural solution. Now, it's not to say that the development authority, well, I, I, I think for this to work, the development authority will need to hire its own executive director, really well-versed in the arts and in arts development and all of the different Maybe skills. Fundraising. <laughs> yeah, fundraising, um, but really with more of an arts marketing focus yeah yeah and and so you know and and I think that um, that's you know that's still part of the puzzle that has been solved I think that the council voted for kind of you know movement and a path forward but there's still not a clear vision of what you know that the next generation torpedo factory is and I think that needs to get addressed and council acknowledged that and they said it's not going to happen overnight it's going to require a lot of engagement they asked that a stakeholder committee be put together, which can be a little bit scary because we've had a lot of stakeholder committees. But now with kind of council's vote, it is moving forward. And if there is a community development authority that takes the lead here and hires an executive director, then I think you're going to see 
that kind of progress. Well, I went back and watched that account scenario too, and I've been reading through. We could have done that together, Rod. With a six-pack. Yeah, all kinds of memos here and, and articles about, yeah. about, about it. And it seems that many of the consultants' reports point to one really glaring issue at the Torpedo Factory, and that is that over the period of the last maybe decade or two decades, the city has not been a, um, I mean, to be kind, a really good steward of the physical That's plant. And I think the, uh, the city's own report now identifies almost $42 million in either repairs to the HVAC system, uh, upgrading the bathrooms, making it Yeah, ADA not quite that much. It was uh, 41.5. Well, the actual amount to, if you took the incremental plan, would be $18 million. Okay. Okay, but, but still a lot. I mean, a, a lot, lot of money. money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, just, and the rents do not... The rent would not provide enough money. To oh no, I think it's like a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in rents. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you need another source of revenue to do that. Um, and then there's the question, the other question I think the consultants looked at is, and what do you do about the artists who are there? Um, I mean, do you close down the entire building for a period of two years or so to restore it? Yeah, I heard and, that come and, up. and move them. And then if yeah. you do move them, where do you move them? Because uh, I think the Torpedo Factory has 76,000 square feet occupied by artists. That's what I read on their website. Uh, um, not quite that much. I was just, yeah, I, was, yeah, that, I was pulling up the numbers. There's the individual studios are 32,000 square feet today. Okay, well, the I mean, their, their website's a 76,000. I think I was taking into account the various galleries. Well, the, the whole building is 76,000. Total arts uses are 44,000, and the studios are 32. So. Well, actually, if it is a smaller number, I guess that's good long-term for the artists because if they have to move, where would they move? I mean, does the city, yeah. own, does the city own another property with 30,000 square feet yeah. where they could tell the artists you can occupy this space for yeah. two years? Well, and, and there was a lot of concern about that, I think rightful concern. Um, and the answer is I don't know. But I could imagine that if this community development authority was taking over, was, you know, eventually assembly a quarter million square feet of space in the north end maybe that is either you know swing space or even a transition space um to house you know artists while while the torpedo factory is being redeveloped and just to clarify you're right that 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 over a 40-year period the number is 41 or 45 million dollars to just kind of keep the torpedo factory as it is so that's 18 million to, you know, to do the deferred maintenance, and then you've got to fund losses because it's losing money over 40 years. And that's what kind of struck me when, when I was listening and then looking at the city's financial analysis. The more ambitious plan also costs 45 or 46 million. So it's going to cost the city 45 or 46 right. million either way. Keep so, it as it is, or a more ambitious plan that, that can generate some more revenue to offset the additional capital cost of doing something more ambitious. Well, clearly the, the money equation is going to be key to what, what happens there and how fast it happens. Yeah. I was talking to somebody two days ago in the historic preservation community in the city, yeah. um, and there are some people, as you know, who want to see that building designated as a National Historic Landmark. And what this person said to me was if it is designated that and it's controlled by an authority, there could be some tax benefits uh, that would go along with paying for the improvements because it would be an historic building. Uh, which qualifies for certain federal benefits under federal and state seems to me it preservation be, laws. Seems to me it should be a historic building, but I don't know the first thing yeah. about historic tax so, so tax credits. Tell me about the arts. I mean, the, the one thing that's been uh, touted in, in the media and social media mm -hmm. is that there are nearly 8,000 signatures on a petition 
I mean, uh, that, that, that dwarfs uh, what, say, the people opposed the Seminary Road, Road Diet, you know, got on their petition. And um, it's, a lot of artists are on it, a lot of art patrons are on it. They don't all live in the city, obviously. Um, but they feel, they feel really yeah. uh, committed to trying to do something to help save the artists. And uh, their bottom line question is, um, you know, okay, we don't mind being part of a, a new torpedo factory existence. But will I get to stay here? Yeah. So again, I, I I don't know. I don't get to make those decisions. I'm not that close to it. But I, I don't. Um, what do I think? I, I I think it's it's not helpful to have signs saying "Save the Artists," or when I don't think anybody is proposing turning this into a condo tower, office tower. I mean, it's going to be an arts use. And even in the city's, you know, ambitious proposal, it goes from 32,000 square feet of studios to 21,000 square feet. So that's less, but then that same amount of space is used for other arts activities, which may involve some of the same artists, it may involve different artists, which is one of the things that keeps coming up that, you know, can we do different kinds of arts activities? Can we have more diversity in our art? That, uh, does it all have to be studios versus more right. studios and a mixture of other arts uses? So well, you know, right, right now, besides the working studios, there are three other things in there that are important. One is it's the Alexander Archaeology, yep. Archaeology Museum. Which is still in the plan going forward, even the more right. ambitious plan. Um, most people don't know it exists, but it's kind of interesting. If you want to yeah. go to visit, it's free. Um, and then you've got... The art leagues, yeah. uh, art league has they, they lease space there for offices and studios, yeah. and they they have uh, classes that you have to pay for generally. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got probably I'm guessing. And I've got seven paintings in my house from the art league patrons show Good every year. <laughs> um, maybe you'll be their man of the year next year. Uh, you start chalking up those those, yeah. those plaques. Um, but, but can I go? But well, one more thing. The other thing that's in there, there are there's are there are designated studios where. Um, Artists have rotating exhibits. Yeah. Like there's one named after Marion Van Landingham, yeah. and I think this year, uh, this month, there's something in there that has to do with crayon art or something. Not 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 kids art, but I think it's, I think it's all the acrylic crayons. But but so you got those two. So you got yeah studios, and, you got you got galleries, and you got yeah. archaeology and the art league. Yeah, and, and but somebody's got to get booted out of there. It sounds like to me. Yeah, or shrunk down a bit. I mean, in the restaurant world, we used to build 8,000 square foot restaurants. Now we're building 5,000 square foot restaurants. And, you know, they're just as exciting. The food is good. But you just, you know, it, you're just uh, making better use of space. Um, and you have to if you want to do if you want to do more things, right? right. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the basic choice here. So, again, to be kind of, you know, more, you know, Charitable, you know, the people who are saying, you know, don't kick out the artist, you know, maybe they didn't sit through the three-hour presentation that you and I did. But did you walk away from council's hearing thinking that the artists were going to get uh, kicked out of the torpedo factory? Well, um, there was discussion with the city staff about the fact that there's been an adversarial rela relationship that might require some council members themselves to be part of sort of a buffer group yeah. uh, to, to sort of stand between the artists who are yeah. concerned about losing their livelihood. And and, yeah. and the city staff. Yeah, I, I don't know that that's it's their livelihood though. I mean, it's a it's a it's an important part of you know their life and studio space. But well, if they're a working artist and that's right. what they do, I mean, I, I'm going to just yeah yeah presume that's for a lot of them that's what they do for a living, right? Yeah. 
Um, I don't think they're dilettantes, you know, that I, I do this on the weekends. They're in there. Yeah. Uh, they're supposed to be in there, actually, you know, five days a week. Um, yeah, I'm just, what, what I'm questioning is just sort of, it, uh, it's absolutely their livelihood, but there's different, would smaller studios or would a torpedo factory, you know, gallery with studios here and studios on the north end, you know, couldn't that actually lead to more art sales? And more, yeah, very, very and more visitors, and could the Torpedo Factory have a you know a more aggressive kind of commercial online presence to sell art? And sort of like you know, so you're trying to support the artists, both to give them space to do art and help them sell their art. So that's important, and and I get that. So historically, the artists who are there have been chosen by their peers. They've gone through a jury process, essentially, yeah. and so people could kind of agree, yeah, that person's worthy as a sculptor, <laughs> or as a painter, or whatever. Um, is that going to continue to be the case? Because I know one of the one of the issues raised in the mayor's uh, mayor's twelve point plan yeah. is uh, that there's a lack of diversity among the artists. Yeah. Uh, they're largely women. They're largely older women. They're largely white. Um, and in that case, will will the jury system go out the window? Do you think? And this will be more uh, sort of a, a city's play towards. Proving they walk the walk on racial yeah. uh, diversity or, or or age and gender. And yeah, so, yeah. So I don't know. Again, I'm I'm, I'm 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 not that close to it. But I have to believe that the artist community themselves would embrace diversity. So the question is, how are they going to how are they going to get there? Right. I mean, why wouldn't they support it? But you know, part of the the part of the problem. And I want to go 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 back for a second because sure. it's sort of glass half full, glass half empty. It's extraordinary that the took that the torpedo factory is here. I mean, it's amazing that the founders of it created this thing, saved this building. Who knows what would have been here now? So so you know, yes, it's you know, it probably should evolve and it can evolve and it can be be exciting, but that doesn't mean you're kind of criticizing where it came from. And again, I just go back to restaurants. We evolved them, changed them all the time. I was saying to somebody, the menu at Mia's today is you know, 35% different than it was when I opened it three or four years ago. So change is good, but that doesn't mean that what you're changing is, 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 is bad. But I think that actually, um, it's a challenge, right? Because when you have working studios that are supposed to be open seven days a week, that's that's so also five, five, they're closed two days a week. Well, okay, but it shouldn't be closed two days a week because there's people on the streets right, right. seven days a week. So it should be open seven days a week. But you know, it's not a restaurant. These are these are artists and they have lives. So you know, so they share studios to try and get coverage for each other. But right. but I, I just you know, it's it's not my decision to make. But I would think it'd be you know cooler for an artist to have a great working studio and then. A space to exhibit where there's a lot of people walking around, and maybe I, I don't have to be there every Saturday and Sunday because it's it's a it's a it's a gallery that's sort of uh, attracting people. So I, I, I just think well, it, that's certainly true. As you know, Scott, the way many many artists work is they don't they work out of their home or somewhere else, and yeah. then they then they exhibit at a yeah, a, yeah. Chosen, a chosen art gallery. Yeah, and they don't have to worry about being there. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I just think so. Going back to your diversity question, so I don't know how you solve for it because if you have eighty or ninety studios and people are happy with their studios, well, then how are you going to bring in more people unless some people leave? So, I, 
you know, maybe that's that's what the mayor or council is pointing to and saying there, there just hasn't been enough turnover, but it's not set up for turnover. So other places do like a two-year residency or a one-year residency, and everybody moves because you're forcing a, a, you know, a, a lot change. of those artists that are there have been there since Marion Manny have founded that place. Yeah, because that was the original vision, I doubt. At that time, they sort of said, all right, well, we're just going to all stay here for 50 years. And I guess that that really hasn't been fleshed out yet in terms of what the city might want to do with that. Because I, I, mean, I don't want to get ahead of the discussion here or on Monday night, but uh, the next thing is a stakeholder group be set up. Yeah. Uh, and then to explore, <coughs> I, I guess, explore the actual uh, potential, uh, you know, working, whether it can work to have this, this authority, whether they can raise enough money. Uh, whether the financial markets yeah. will support them, whether or not interest rates, which were historically low for a long time, but now are you know are, are going up every day, whether mm -hmm. that would weigh against that, uh, all those questions. I think. Well, nobody is raising money anytime soon. I mean, that right. I mean, the time frame the council laid out or the uh, the group you know presenting to the council is you know it would be four to five years before anybody's swinging hammers. So you have an engagement process. Um, you've got to do more work on the vision. Like what, okay, so we want change. What does it exa exactly look like? Because that's going to drive the changes in the physical plan. You know, you've got to you know, bring, put, put a team together to manage a project like that. Um, and then you have to fund it and build it. So that's going to take some time. But what the council also committed to is said, all right, let's do that. And, you know, kudos to the council. They said it's not going to happen overnight. But we're going to move forward. Let's get it right. Also give them credit. They didn't try and micromanage how to do it. They said, let's focus on the structure. Let's get this community development authority together. So they're kind of taking the long-term view. In the meantime, the, the city staff that's sort of running the torpedo factory, they challenged them and said, let's move forward on this vibrancy plan that came out in. That's what I want to ask you about. Yeah. Because yeah. There's, there's a lot of talk about the vibrancy the plant, vi yeah. which implies that. Yeah. I had to go look it up. The torpedo factory is not a vibrant place. Yeah. I mean, what, what does that really imply about, um, I would just have to say, the city staff's perception of the current torpedo factory? Because, I mean, the numbers don't lie. It's the, it's the most highly tra traveled to place in Alexandria, maybe in Northern Virginia. Um, and. I don't think the city has any sales. Well, I don't know that that's true. I mean, it gets a healthy trap. It gets yeah. four to 500,000 people a year come there. But Alexandria gets four million people, right. a, people a year. And it's sort of, you know, it's it's down below 10 on the list of kind of things that people identify with Alexandria. It's not a bad thing, but, yeah. it, but like it could be a million. Sort of one of the things that, are, you know, that people talk about when they talk about this new vision is, you know, can we host, you know, bigger, uh, bigger exhibitions that attract people, and and changing exhibitions, which which might also be kind of more interest to the residents, because as much as I appreciate the Torpedo Factory, it's pretty much the same as when I moved here 27 years ago. So is there is there a risk though during the uh, the four to five year period when it's under construction, as as artists sort of go, well, we're being or being pushed out at least temporarily, that they just go somewhere else, or a neighboring jurisdiction says Alexandria has given up this great thing they had going. Let's 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 replicate that I guess here. There's a risk there, but I I because I, because I think Frederick Maryland or is it Fredericksburg, Virginia is trying to do the mm -hmm. is trying, is studying what we have. Yeah, I think that, but you know, it's 
it's that's back to just painting this as a zero sum game. And I think, you know, go back to the point that Justin made, like this is really exciting that the city has made the kind of commitment it has to a new arts district on the north end that could be several hundred thousand square feet and full of all kinds of uses. So, you know, a friend once told me sometimes you solve a small problem by, you know, making it bigger. Well, that's sort of what council did and said, hey, let's go big here. We're going to, you know, we've got an arts district. We have a development authority that's going to manage that. That brings all kinds of resources and vision and direction to the table. So let's, let's, let's kind of connect these two small problems and see if we, I don't even know if that's a problem on the north end, but let's, let's, let's bring those other resources to bear. So I'm just not a pessimist by nature. And I would, you know, I think the council said, yeah, we may have to get some mediation, but we value the artists. There isn't going to be any stakeholder engagement group. It's going to include the artists. It's going to include some other people, but you know, the artists are going to be part of, you know, figuring out what happens to them and where it happens and how it happens. And you know, if the studio spaces shrink by thirty percent, I got to believe that, that there's a way to do that that kind of you know doesn't compromise the original you know vision. Vision and mission of the torpedo factory, and the problem is you can't accomplish these other goals if you don't address that. Right? What are, what are the odds of one of the future uses of the factory being a restaurant or a bar? You know, I mean, they talk about it. I, so if if they do, you don't need the competition. No, it's not like not the competition. I turned sixty-two this year, so I'm not doing restaurants in five years when I'm sixty-seven. Okay. I'm not opening any more restaurants right now. So I, you know, I personally don't 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 think you need a restaurant here. And I, I would, along with a lot of other people, I think it'd be exciting to have a rooftop restaurant and venue. But if in if space is a scarce resource, I don't think you need one. You know, first floor, second floor in here. Um, the rooftop, I think, is interesting. A lot of a couple council members really pushed back on the city staff and said, "Yeah, I get it. I get that it's expensive, but but we shouldn't dismiss it just because it's expensive because it would be an extraordinary." you know, venue and and uh, resource to have. And, you know, staff pointed out that the math is very difficult on that. I mean, I think it was like $28 million. $28 million yeah. but, but, but I think the staff is also very conservative in the revenue and the rent uh, assumption. So while I might not sign up to doing it, I, 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 I think it is commercially viable. It, it might be, but um, the reality of sort of public financing of projects is that Four or five years out, the twenty-eight million in the world will be thirty-eight million. I mean, in other words, the cost can just they tend to escalate. We're yeah. talking about metro, metro or building out uh, yeah. city schools or whatever. Um, we're at the end of our time, Scott. I no, think, that's not possible. Yeah, we it, are. It, it, and, is it? And I think I think our audience has learned a ton from listening to you talk about this because you're smart and you're involved in it, and you have some good insights because you know yeah. some of the key players. Um, so, just on behalf of Jen Alexandria, I want to say you can subscribe to our podcast, which is called On the Agenda on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Please make sure to register for our main program on January 24th at agendaalexandria.org. Uh, thank you again to the ALX community for providing the space for today's podcast, to the Zebra newspapers for our simulcast, and to all of our members. We truly appreciate your support. You can also become a member today to get exclusive content at agendaalexandria.org. Have a great evening.